This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. If you see this face and you hear this voice, it means that the 49ers lost on Sunday and Zane didn't get to do the intro. To this podcast, you are listening to Odyssey's 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. We laugh to keep from crying. I am Brian Rennick. I am joined by Al Sacco and Zane Nakvi, and we are here to cry, to make ourselves feel better, to let you guys rant in the comment section, whatever the case may be. All of us still need to process and recover from that nightmare in Philadelphia. And uh, I'm going to let the guy that spends all of his time on the East Coast uh, start us off here. Al, man, what happened? Welcome to the shit show. Welcome to the shit show. (laughs) Guys, here's where I have to start. We're going to get into the game, obviously, but the news broke tonight on a Monday evening that Brock Purdy does have a tear in his UCL. Uh, looks like going to be. It doesn't look like he's going to need reconstructive from what they think right now. And reconstructive would be Tommy John surgery. It does not look like he's going to need that, but it does look like a six month recovery for the repair, putting him coming back, probably training camp ish, whether it's a little bit in training camp or wh- whatever. Either way, it's, it's not good news. And it just, you know, I, I feel bad for him, but I feel bad for 49ers fans too, because in an era when QBs are protected to the point, where they're playing into their 40s, where guys are playing 7 to 10, 12 years without injuries. And I'm going to give you some specific examples. The 49ers since 2015, now some of this was because of play, but a lot of it's been because of injury. 2015, Kaepernick and Gabbert played eight games apiece. This is QB starts. QB starts started eight games apiece. 2016, Kaepernick 11, Gabbert 5. 2017, Hoyer 6, Beathard 5, Garoppolo 5. 2018, Mullins 8, Beathard 5, Garoppolo 3. 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo started every game, 19. Awesome. 2020, Mullins 8, Garoppolo 6, Beathard 2. 2021, Garoppolo 18, although he played a lot of that end of the season injured. Lance 2. And this season, Purdy 8, Garoppolo 10, Lance 2. And I'm going to throw Josh Johnson in there because he had to play in the freaking NFC Championship. How ridiculous is this? Well, listen to this, you guys. If you look at quarterbacks who have played, not somebody like a Sam Darnold who's in and out of the lineup, QBs who play every week, franchise guys. Drew Brees, he didn't miss a game in 13 years. Matt Ryan missed one game in 12 years. Russell Wilson didn't miss a game in nine years. Brady was injured once in 21 years. 
Derek Carr missed two games in his first eight years. Everybody said Matthew Stafford gets hurt. He did this year, but he, he played every game in 11 out of 12 years. This is not normal. Kirk Cousins played every game but two in nine years. Quarterbacks don't get hurt like this. Aaron Rodgers is somebody you say, well, Al Rodgers got hurt a couple times. He did, but he's played every game in 12 and 14 years. So he had a couple seasons where he got hurt, but it's not like this. The Niners have had one quarterback, one, play every game in the last eight years. One. It's insane. You can't make it up. And, and well, like I said, we'll get into the game, but the biggest kick in the balls, and we'll talk about all the, kick in the kicks in the balls that we've been through the past decade, is the Niners didn't even have a chance to compete because their starting quarterback got injured six six plays into the into their drive after their starting quarterback got injured in the second game of the season. And then after their next starting quarterback got injured in week 13. And the guy is probably the best of all of them, which was a freaking miracle, gets his elbow hit and tears his freak. Are you kidding me? There's not even like a precedent for this injury coming back unless you're a baseball pitcher because it doesn't happen unless you're a 49ers quarterback because let's just make up injuries at this point. What what else can go wrong? And it's if, at this point, like I, I'm not blaming anybody. I, I don't know if it's a curse. Maybe it's curse. Maybe it's bad luck, whatever. It's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And holy shit, is it ever going to end? When Brock Purdy went down and – First of all, that's a fantastic open to the show, Brian. That was so good. I was literally like almost in tears <laughs> laughing, right? That was so good. Thank you. When when Purdy went down and he left the game and it was clear that he wasn't going to return because there's a point on the sideline where he was just standing there and, and he had his helmet on, but he wasn't throwing or anything. I'm like, he's not coming back in this game. It was at that point, I'm like, this game is over. But as soon as as soon as it was clear that he was not returning, I'm like, that's it. They don't have a chance. And Al, I'm with you. The, the thing that 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 sucks the most out of this entire situation, this was Kyle Shanahan's best team, and we'll never know. We'll never know how far they could have gone. We'll never know how they could have, how they could have competed against the number one team in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll never know if they could have gone all the way. And to me, that just stinks to holy hell. Because first of all, I. I through all of the the statistics that you pointed out, Al, specifically this year, the job that Kyle did with his first, second, third string quarterbacks and to, to get them this far, just an all-time fantastic job that, that Kyle did to be able to get what he did out of this team and the, the quarterback situation that he did. Unbelievable job by him. And there comes a point where you just can't sustain any more injuries, and that's exactly what happened in, in this game. And I know, Al, that you'll get into this game, but I just – Kyle has been through, I, I think I counted 14 different quarterback changes. Even, even I'm not talking about different quarterbacks, quarterback changes, whether it's going from CJ to Garoppolo back to back to Mullins and whatever it is, 14 of them in his six years here. That's an absurd amount of turnover at the most important position, arguably in sports. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, if it's the offensive line. I don't know if it's the scheme that's not conducive to protecting the quarterbacks well enough. I don't know if it's, I thought of this all of yesterday. I'm like, why is it that the Niners specifically that have this issue over other teams? And one of the thoughts that came to my mind was that what if it's Kyle's system and, and the amount of processing time that it takes to be able to get the ball to where it needs to go to and the quarterbacks that he's had, and you can agree, none of the, some of them have been good to very good, but none of them have been elite here in San Francisco, right? That we can, that's something that we can agree on. And elite quarterbacks, they excel at processing. And that's something that you hear Steve Young here all the time, that he says that all the time, is, is processing speed. 
And when you're a young and experienced quarterback or a mid-level quarterback like, like Jimmy is, your processing speed is what prevents you from being elite, right, amongst the other physical traits that you have. So maybe it's the, pro- the speed at which they process is not fast enough to be conducive to be effective in this system. And it causes them to hold the ball, which opens them up to taking more hits. Like, look, Trey's, Trey's thing was kind of like a freak thing. He ran and, and I, he ran into the, the fattest part of the line and he got hurt. But like with Jimmy and, and Purdy, they were holding the ball and they got hurt in the pocket because they're waiting for stuff to happen. So to me, I think that if you were to bring in a guy like Brady or Rogers or whoever it may be that, that we'll talk about in a little bit, maybe this processing time decreases and they're able to get the ball out of their hands quicker and find an open receiver. Look, I'm not blaming Kyle for, for Purdy's injury. It was a terrible matchup that Kyle created in his team because you put Tyler Croft, who is tight end two, and probably your your worst blocking tight end outside of outside of Kittle, because I feel like Warner and Dwelly are better blocking tight ends. And you put him against against their best Hassan Reddick, their best pass rusher on the best pass rushing defensive line in the league. And yes, the Eagles did exploit that, but I wonder if you had somebody else back there that was faster at processing get the ball out faster and you, you prevent yourselves from making that injury. So look that we've seen this play happen a hundred times before where the quarterback gets his arm hit and they're totally fine and nothing happens to him. It happened we, to Josh Allen this year. Um, he but he tear. played with it, right? He didn't No, tear But it. I'm just saying it, same, right? same play, right? Hit his arm yeah, while he's yeah. coming forward. I'm just saying same thing. Not, not the, not to the extent that Purdy did. And that's another, like, what the heck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, I, I just think that at some point, I wonder that if you had, I mean, Josh Allen had it too. So processing speed kind of goes out the window because he's an elite quarterback. Right. But I mean, I wonder what would happen if you gave somebody who's just getting the ball out quicker to Kyle. And and if he was able to, to avoid that. Now, I think that there's, there's something that led up to that point that caused the urgency to score in that drive. As we kind of like talk about the game here a little bit. Um, Maybe if they, it was a, it was a tie game. They don't feel the urgency to throw as much and they play the field position battle and they made no, it, I, it was so early. I just it was think sixth place. It was yeah. The sixth it was so offensive early. play of the of the game. That, but that I just think his... I just think he thought he had a shot. He he. I think he just thought he had a shot dialed up there. They took a, a but, slow. But look, I mean, here's, we'll get into here's the it. thing though. Here, here's the thing though. They were already down seven nothing. If you go down fourteen nothing, if you're if you're punting on that drive and you're going down fourteen nothing, that's a really deep hole to climb out of in Philly. So I think there was urgency to score there. I think yeah, like and that that's what caused him to think that he had a shot. So again, like this is all what ifs and we don't know. The most frustrating thing to me is not about like, oh, this is this person's fault or that's that person's fault. It's the most frustrating to, thing to me is that this was one of the best 49ers teams that we've seen in a couple of decades and we'll never know because of the quarterback injury situation. We'll never know how far they could have gone, what their ceiling was. We will never know. And that is the most frustrating thing. You know, Al, you you went back all the way to 2015, right? For all of your stats for quarterbacks and 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 when they played. And like here's the thing, just like this game, right? This is all about what ifs and and there's no explanation, right? We're not going to be able to find an explanation. You know, is it a curse? Is it bad luck? Whatever the case may be, it certainly seems like it only happens to the 49ers. You went back all the way to 2015. I'd like to throw a date out for you. That date is July 17th, 2014. Anybody know what happened that day? July 17th, 2014. I feel like I should know this and I'm disappointed that I don't. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was the day that Levi Stadium opened. July okay. 17th, yep. 2014. Yep. 
and and we joke, right? Is it a curse? Is it whatever? <laughs> that feels like a curse to me. Now, again, do we believe in curses? I don't know. But the 49ers have not had a quarterback start every game of the season except once since Levi Stadium opened, right? And it's like, well, what does why does that matter? Well, how far away is Levi Stadium from San Francisco, right? Like, is this like did they did they absolutely uh curse this team to have no opportunities moving forward at the quarterback position i have no idea but at this point you got to start grasping at straws right because there's really no legitimate explanation for why something like this happened and you know i i hear what you're saying zane in terms of like is it is it the system but matt ryan didn't miss a game playing for kyle shanahan right and and i imagine if you go back and you look at like how many seasons did Matt Schaub play every game under Kyle Shanahan? And I, I guarantee one out of two. at least one. Okay. One he did. So yeah, one, one out of two. Right. But again, I don't know what the context was in the year that he right. stage Rose Rosenfeld played five games that first year. I don't know what the context was, but gotcha. Um, and I don't know if Rosenfels was the were those the first five games? No idea. Then, I'd have to okay. go back. I just saw oh, yeah. I just saw that Schaub had eleven starts and sixteen in those two years. So yeah. So it, it, I, I, I don't know that you can blame the system. And then it's like, well, can you blame the offensive line? Well, Trey Lance, like you said, Zane, his was on a tackle, t- what, eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo's knee injury was on a scramble outside the pocket, right? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's foot injury, again, a scramble outside the pocket, not getting rid of the ball quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um Jimmy Garoppolo's high ankle sprain. <laughs> like we could just go on, right? But yeah, like 21, yeah. <laughs> but but that's the thing, is like it, it just it it defies explanation. It defies logic, it defies anything that that we could possibly come up with, you know, just by trying to figure it out on our own. The the reality though is, you know, there's been a lot of talk prior to this game, what are the 49ers going to do with Trey Lance in the offseason? Are they going to trade Trey Lance? There's reports today. Uh, Mike Sando in The Athletic reported, spoke to a GM. That GM thinks that the 49ers are going to trade Trey Lance and sign uh, and sign Tom Brady. And, I mean, his that GM drew a connection between – he said the trade would be to Tennessee, which is where Rand Carthen, who just got the job there, came from San Francisco. Um, I – the 49ers need to carry four quarterbacks on this roster at this point. Like why would they be getting rid of one? Why would they be getting rid of one? And not only that, but you're incurring a, a dead cap hit of almost $11 million for the season. It doesn't make sense. If you trade Trey Lance, it It makes zero sense. It makes literally zero sense on six different fronts. So let's put that one to bed. Trey Lance is not going to be traded this off season. Not only that, Trey Lance's trade capital trade value couldn't be lower right now. Mm -hmm. So Again, what are you getting for Trey Lance? Are you are you punting on the development of Trey Lance, a 23-year-old kid, for a second-round pick, a third-round pick? You're not getting a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I don't know. There's no answer. There's really no answer. But the, the fact of the matter is, is, is the frustrating part of that game is all it's ever going to be is a what-if. You know, and yeah. I'm tired of these trash ass Eagles fans, you know, taking oh, the worst. victory laps on the timeline. And it's like you guys beat Daniel Jones, Josh Johnson, and a one-armed Brock Purdy once Josh Johnson got his 
concussion. And also, by the way, a lot of you Eagles fans, genuine pieces of shit for, for the way that you celebrated these injuries. Like, just an absolute yeah. trash fan base for the majority of them. So, I can't, congratulations I can't to you. I hope Patrick Mahomes whoops your ass in the Super Bowl. You guys pay so much attention to randos. <laughs> like, I don't know why you <laughs> let these people get under your skin. I always say, like, with Twitter, like, if the three of us are sitting in a bar and we're talking about the Niners game or whatever, and some dude comes up to you with three teeth and weighs 400 pounds and is slurring and was like, Niners suck, you'd be like, dude, you'd be like, get out of my face, or you'd laugh him off. But on Twitter, we're like, oh, look, look what this guy said. Who cares? That's fair. Who cares fair. what these people say? That's my whole thing. I, told, I tell Zane this all the time. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I think it's ridiculous. Anyway. Okay, guys, get into the game. We're going to have so much time to talk about this quarterback stuff. we got a long offseason. I'm texting you guys today. We need to, like, plan our offseason shows. And then it's it's the 49ers, so it's always a soap opera. So we'll have plenty of things mm-hmm. to talk about. And the quarterback thing is going to be a big point. And we'll talk all maybe more this show or next show. Believe me, there's going to be a lot of talk about who the quarterback may be. Bring Brady home. There's going to be a lot of Tom Brady talk, man. <laughs> a lot of Tom, Tom Brady talk, um, especially if we don't know about Lance's health. Looking at this game, I wrote down four things in my notes, like as I was going through. And I think kind of if you go through those four things, it'll take us through the game. I wrote down, these are the words I wrote, challenge, croft, before the half, and discipline. So those are four things I wrote about the game. So maybe if we kind of, you guys go off whatever tangent you want to, too, but we'll start with the challenge because that sort of set things in the shit show in motion, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's fourth and three. Hertz, I thought, had a really good first drive. I thought he was taking what the defense gave him. He was running around a little bit, extending plays. And on the fourth and three, he throws the pass to Devontae Smith, who looked like he caught it with one hand and came down and grabbed it. He obviously did not. Now, it was very hard to tell on the replay. But when you look at it, he got up and he was running the line and he was like, snap, 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 snap it. That's got to be the fr- throw the flag right mm-hmm. there. Throw the flag. It's four. If it was third and three or it was fourth and three, I think you got to throw the flag there per- personally. I think that not happening obviously changed a lot of things. You could do the predetermined outcome thing. Does Birdie ever get hurt? Whatever. But just looking at that play, I thought thought the challenge flag should have been thrown. I thought it was worth it. And it, and it, it did, we didn't know at the time, because they ended up tying the game and everything, but it did sort of set off a chain of events that turned into maybe one of the biggest shit shows in 49ers history. Where were you guys on that? Did you think they should have thrown it? Did you think it was too close? I, I absolutely I was, thought, oh, go ahead, Zane. Not right. I was gonna say I absolutely thought they should have thrown it. Here's the thing: is it the first drive of the game? A hundred percent. But that's the point. You're in the first half of the football game, right? If you if you get it wrong, what does it cost you? One timeout. One timeout right. in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's one timeout, right? And so there, Shanahan explained it in the post game. And I understand his explanation. We looked up the, the, the replay on the, on the, on the scoreboard which was inconclusive. We didn't have time to, to have our guys look at it behind the scenes. So we didn't challenge it. Devonte Smith is not getting up and running that fast to the line. If he knows that he caught that ball, that's mm-hmm. your first clue. That's your first clue. Oh shit. Like maybe we should take a look at this, but regardless of that, just challenge it. It is a massive play. It is a massive swing of momentum. Mm-hmm. Just challenge it. And if you lose, you lose a first half timeout. That's it. And, it, and, and it's, to me, it's indicative of still, I think, the biggest, I, I would call gripe that I have with Kyle Shanahan is his in-game management. It's still not mm-hmm. great. 
It really yeah. isn't. It, it's, it's not great. And, and I genuinely believe that a lot of these play calling head coaches really struggle with in-game management. The yep. biggest example being Andy Reid for damn near two decades, right? Still doesn't manage the game very well, but he's better, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if, I don't know. I, to me, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's ego could take this, but there needs to be somebody that's there that's just helping with in-game management. Like literally yeah. that's their job, mm -hmm. right? Because he's so folk, and I get it. He's so focused on play calling. He's focused on, all right, here's what happened on this drive. Here's what I got to dial up next drive based on what I saw from the defense. Like he's got so much to think about. Just let somebody else. Damn. Let Anthony Lynn. He's the, the, the you know, he's the what co-head coach, right. Or whatever that title is that he has, let him, let him do something. Right. So that's the biggest gripe I have is it's just another, it's just another example of, what I think is the is the worst part of Kyle Shanahan's head coaching ability, and that's his in-game management. So, look, Kyle's – he's not to blame for the loss, right? It's not his fault. No. I don't want to at all say that, like, what I'm about to say, it indicates there's any fault of Kyle here. There were errors that he made that in the game that, that are indicative of a pattern, like you said, of his in-game management. But I don't think it's his fault by any means that they that they lost. You can't control an injury. However, Trey Wingo actually tweeted at, at stats today, and I don't know if you guys saw that, but he he uh, quote tweeted stats saying that they should have challenged it, and it was a big deal because games. I'm loosely quoting this: that games are like waves, you know, they they, they ebb and flow, and you don't know what that chain of events that would have set off. Because look, as soon as he caught that or caught that. I was yelling at the TV, throw the challenge flag, throw the flag. Cause it looked like he did bobble it, right? Like look at he had he had a little bit of trouble. You can tell, right? It looked like he kind of bobbled it a little when he's trying to get it in. And I was like, look, throw the challenge flag. Even if you're not sure, throw it because that is a huge momentum boost. Because essentially you are taking points off the board for Philadelphia. They're in field goal range at the very least. You have a chance to take points off of the board. Do it. Andy Reid, this is the difference between Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. Andy Reid in the in the night game, there's a pass in the red zone to Kadarius Tony where he he looked like he made a really good catch. I don't know if you guys saw that. He actually got injured mm -hmm. on the play too. Mm -hmm. He looked like he made a good catch and looked like he beat the receiver for a touchdown. They called an incomplete. Andy Reid challenged it because at, the, at that point I think it was either the game was it was six three or six nothing at that time, right? And or it was, it was three nothing I think at that time. That, a touchdown would have been huge at that point. Threw the challenge flag. It was I think it was the third quarter. That was his last challenge. Use it up. He didn't care. Actually, that was the first challenge. The second challenge he had was a, was a spot of a first down. So you have coaches that are challenging first down spots, and Kyle doesn't want to challenge a fourth down play that could have literally changed the course of the game at that point. And I know it's the first drive of the game, but that's a game-changing play. And even if you're not sure, throw the flag. You know who throws the flag in that, in that instance? Pete Carroll will throw the flag in that instance. Andy Reid will throw that flag in that instance. Most coaches will throw the challenge flag, even if you're not sure, because if you can flip that play, it changes everything. They would have got the ball at the 38, 40 yard line, their own 38 or 40 yard line, plus no points on the board for the Eagles. So at the very least, that's a psychological win for your team. And again, all it costs you is a challenge. And at that point, did Kyle use his challenges at all in the game? No. Did he use any of his timeouts in the first half? No. He went, he went in the half of three timeouts. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that was just, frustrating. 
it's very frustrating. And I know a part of it was because Josh Johnson fumbled it and, and absolutely made a mockery out of that, <laughs> the end of that first half. But the risk reward to that challenge at the beginning of the game is huge. Why wouldn't you challenge that? You have every reason to challenge that. They're in your inside of your 10-yard line. If he doesn't catch that, that play is null, and you get the ball back. I don't understand, even if you're not sure. And that's the problem. That's the biggest gripe I have with Kyle as well, is his in-game management, the indecision. That challenge fly should be out no matter what. And he's scared. He coaches scared in the playoffs. And that's what bugs me the most about him, is that he goes into a shell. And he's so focused, singularly focused on one thing, that he can't understand what the hell is going on. And, again, not his fault that they lost. It's not his fault about the Brock injury, the Brock injury, but that particular play changed the course of the game because if they don't score that seven points and everything still happens the way that it does, you're still only down seven points going into the half. And that's a that's a doable comeback coming out in the second half with the ball. Instead, Josh Johnson fumbles, they get another touchdown, you're down 14 points, and that's it. The game's out of reach at that point. And after the challenge, they come out of it. And I, I really thought Purdy went through two passes, but he looked pretty poised and, and he was maybe slinging it a little bit yeah he, he completes the ball to uh, Kittle then he, he some runs mixed in there and he completes the pass to Ayuk and you're like all right and then it happens where it's a slow developing play action play Hassan Reddick who really you could argue could have been one of the candidates for defensive player of the year he had 16 and a half sacks he was phenomenal especially for his end of the season um blows it up and somebody else blew it up too uh, I, I don't know who the other rusher was but Reddick hits Purdy's arm and and the rest is history. And for this, my initial thought is why the hell is Tyler Croft, who's really your fourth string tight end, why is he even trying to block the sad Reddick? So I tried to go to people who are smarter than me with this. I just tried to, you know, see what people had to say. And Kyle said himself, well, on a play like that, you usually have tight ends blocking edge rushers on the end. Okay. Um, I think it was Joe Thomas who kind of said the same thing. We have JJ Watt saying, when are you gonna stop having tight ends try to block? you know, these, these pass rushers. It wasn't George Kittle, who's a great blocker. Again, this is your fourth string tight end. Um, and the results were disastrous. So I'm not going to sit and pretend I know what play was or what the, I just know in common sense wise, maybe Tyler Croft shouldn't be trying to block Hassan Reddick and, and the results were disastrous and there's nothing we could do. It happened. Um, but again, just right there, the game was over. And that's super frustrating that the team couldn't, compete and this is where you got to separate like fandom from like you know we're trying to do a show and we're trying to be professional here because like the fan in me was i mean i was ballistic but you know i'm trying to look at this sort of in the most rational way possible uh maybe it just wasn't anybody's fault maybe croft just whiffed and 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 here's here's where here's where i push back on the people that are genuinely upset on that play that was the first play that that happened, right? It's not like, it's not like Kyle kept dialing up play after play with Croft blocking Reddick. And he, this was the third sack that Reddick had got. It was the sixth offensive play of the game, right? Like, again, we're not talking about a, a pattern of play calling that put, that put Croft in that position. It was simply one play. And so, I guarantee if you went back and reviewed every film, there's going film of every game. You're going to see a lot of times that Kyle Shanahan dialed up a play where one tight end was tasked with blocking a, an edge rusher, right? Like probably right. It's just probably never NFL. noticed it because yeah, nothing happened. It, so. Right. It's just the NFL. That's just part of it. And so that's where, you know, initially there were people, you know, again, on the timeline, 49er fans just livid 
Why is Croft on, you know, Hassan Reddick? It just worked out that way. Like it just did. And, and unfortunately that was the result of the play. Um, and, and so like we said earlier, the, the frustrating part is just simply that we have no idea. We have no idea what would have happened in this game if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured. I'm pretty confident that at the very least it would have been competitive. I thought it was going to be a dogfight the entire week. I never once thought that this was a game that the 49ers had in the bag, but I also never thought this was a game that the, that the Eagles had in their bag. And if you look at the game and you look at the stats, the, the, the performance of the defense, obviously they allowed 31 points. I understand that, but they also were on the field for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the first half, it would have been 14 to seven without Josh Johnson fumbling a snap that hit him in the hands and put them in the red zone to start their drive. Right. And they scored to challenge it. Right. Or, or if you challenge that it's seven to seven, right? So this game was not by any stretch, some kind of dominating performance by the Eagles. They just Mm -hmm. simply took advantage of the fact that the 49ers didn't have an offense after the sixth offensive play of the game. Right. They just didn't. You, 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 Josh Johnson wasn't going to win this game for the 49ers. 49ers were never going to win this game. The minute that Josh Johnson became the quarterback for the rest of the game, the game ended, it just did. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at, you look across the league, well, the Philadelphia Eagles with as stacked a roster as they were, how many games did they win when their backup quarterback had to play? They lost two. Zero. They had two games. They lost both of them. So, the NFL is not a the NFL is not a league where you should be winning games consistently with your backup quarterback, which just puts into perspective more what Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy did this entire season. It makes you appreciate it more because, like I said, most teams have a backup the caliber of Josh Johnson, and and we saw what happened. So, you know, is it is it? You know, does Kyle Shanahan put his quarterback in harm's way? I don't think so. I don't think he does it any more than any other play caller does. It just is what it is. And and it's frustrating because as fans, we want to be able to point to something that we can shake our fist at and be mad at, right? I want to. I want to. I want to be able to get that out. And, and you want really to blame just, someone I, or something like that. Yeah, I want to blame someone. I got to be someone yeah. to blame. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is there isn't anyone. And then it's like, well, that feels just as shitty as this right. loss. Right. So well, am I going to take this I mean, out? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, so th- th- that being said, like, look, again, not Kyle's fault, right? Not Kyle's fault that pretty got injured. Because like I said, like that play happens all the time. And guys don't end up with an injury, right? Where they're blindsided or they get hit on their arm. And, and it just doesn't. And they're and they're fine. I think, I think uh, Bosa had one on Dak, I think, or... Um, I don't remember. Or no, they had they had on Geno Smith. They had the, the, the fumble that happened on Geno Smith. That's that's essentially what happened. I think they hit his arm, right? So mm-hmm. really it, it happens all the time and guys don't get hurt. But that being said, so it's really hard to change game plans and schemes in the middle of a season and, and where they were and stretch run. You can't do that. Like all that stuff is installed in the offseason, right? Like when you tailor a game plan, you add certain concepts, you do that in the offseason. Unless you add like a guy like Christian McCaffrey, then you have to integrate him. But for the most part, all that stuff that's done in the offseason is for task for scheme change in the playoffs, you know, against a certain team because they have a certain player, certain group of players that are elite. It's really hard. You kind of have to go with what you have. So in Kyle's defense, like you can't 
you can't account for that, right? Like you can't account for everything that happens and in, in injuries and attrition and all that stuff, right? You kind of have to do the best with what you have. But that being said, I looked at how the Chiefs handled Patrick Mahomes and his injury in the beginning of that game. And I'm like, I was curious. I'm like, how is Andy Reid going to handle this situation with a really, really good Bengals defense and a pretty decent pass rush? What is he going to do? First couple of passes, half rollout, short throws to Travis Kelsey, throw to the juju, get the ball out of his hands, quick run to McKinnon. And it's nothing was really Mahomes holding the ball. It would just get the ball out of his hand. And I just, I just wonder, I'm like, does, does Kyle even think about that in his, in his scheme? Or is it all just like, Hey, I'm going to wait for this play to develop and hold the ball until somebody comes open or, or, or throw the ball down the field. Like where are the quick hitting passes? Where are the dump offs to the running backs? Where are all of those things? It just seems like, and, and these are all of the things that make his offense really successful as well because it gets a lot of chunk plays. But my, my question to you guys is that where are all of these little small dump offs to get your quarterback in rhythm, the rhythm throws, where are all of these? Is it just like going to be more of the same in the future with Trey or, or Brock or whoever's quarterback here? We're just holding, holding the rock and waiting for somebody to get open while the pass rush is buried down on you. Or is he going to change this a little bit and be like, look, I want the ball out of your hand in one second. Like as soon as you hit your back foot, the ball's gone. And it's just it's just kind of an open-ended question. I don't know. Do you guys do you guys feel that same way as well when you watch other quarterbacks and how quickly they release the ball? I mean, I think Kyle's very married to his system. You know, I think he's he's stubborn in a lot of ways and he he thinks and he does have a very good system, but like he he's married to what he wants to do. You know what I mean? I think he's he's kind of uh, I'm gonna plug you in here and hit the I would say hit the A button, hit the B button and throw it here. That's probably what, what I would say for that. I right, do got to move because we're getting, coming on time, though. So the third thing in this game was before the half, guys. Two things to me happened before. The, well, two things did happen before the half. The first was the refs started to assert themselves in this game. Oh, and the refs God. asserted them. We can talk about this forever. But the refs asserted themselves in both of these games. And it was an absolute shame. There were 28 accepted penalties in, in both of the games. And the refs, which was a really good evening game, it was slowed down and muddied because the refs were so bad and taking time and everything else. It was really bad. But the refs started to sort of assert themselves. And some of the penalties, the McGill hands to the face, was he getting held fine, but it was also hands to the face. I get it. I thought the Jimmy Ward thing was pretty ticky-tacky. I think the other one was on Trevarius Ward. It might have been a little bit ticky-tacky, too. The bottom line is that there were seven first downs on penalties um, that the Eagles got. And on the drive before the half, it was 7-7 seven to seven with a minute 36 left in the second quarter. Three first downs on that drive via penalties. And here you go. The Eagles go 14-7. Then what happens is Kyle Shannon, is he going to be aggressive or is he going to sit on the ball because he's getting the ball at the end of the half or at the beginning of the, or the beginning of the third quarter, I should say. How many times have we seen him sit on the ball? I was glad he was aggressive because at that point, screw it. Like you, you just yeah. go for it, man. Like you got freaking Josh Johnson. He hits the pass. And then I think what happened on the next play, you know, Johnson hasn't taken reps. Maybe he's looking at the defense. The ball gets snapped. He fumbles it. Nobody expects your quarterback to fumble a snap there. And then obviously they recovered the fumble. And that's when I think the deflation started to happen. And it's 21 7, the game is over. So the end of the half, that minute, whatever it was, just totally changed everything from kind of the refs mm -hmm. giving the Eagles first downs, whether you think it was warranted or not. And then the, the fumble. And that was it. That was the turning point. That was when I'm opening the bottle of whiskey. And it's just, this is, I can't take it anymore. I'm surprised I didn't, I'm surprised that you waited that long. <laughs> to, to open I thought it was all after Purdy, but I think that so look, I'm not one to blame officiating. I'm not one to say that like the officials had any sort of influence on the outcome of this game because the game was over when Brock Purdy went down, frankly, right? 
But that being said, the seven penalties via first down are the most in a playoff game ever. They're tied for the most. So this here, at least in championship game, they're tied for the most. So what happened with the 49ers and, and the officials, it happened at a time at, at, in, at an inflection point during this game where if the Niners could have stopped them, which they did. Two of those penalties were on third down. Okay. The ward penalty and well, both ward penalties were, were on third down. They were going to get the ball back. And at that point, the game was tied. And the officials decided to insert themselves. Like I almost look, I hate conspiracy theories, especially when it comes to the NFL, but I feel like the NFL specifically wanted this matchup with the Eagles and Chiefs. They wanted this. And and I tweeted it out at the beginning of the playoffs just in jest. Like, oh yeah, like they want it, they want the Eagles and Chiefs. Let's see if the 49ers can spoil the party. And it just feels like that they, man, they manipulated this thing to high hell, right? Like where they call penalties at a certain point in time where they knew that would affect that affect the game. And it was almost like like clockwork where you were like, okay, here comes the flag. And lo and behold, there is the flag. And look, were they penalties? I mean, maybe, but in the playoffs, in a championship game, you can't call that. You can't call that. And to that point, like the, everybody's talking about it this day, but I hate the fact that, that, that they were a factor. And now what do you do? Everybody's pissed off about it. And, and especially in the Chiefs game, the Chiefs game was even more egregious. And now what are you doing? It doesn't matter. The Chiefs and the Eagles moved on. We're just, ta- we're just left talking about it now. What's going to happen to those officials? Nothing. What's going to happen to Lee? Nothing. What's going to happen with the teams that lost? Nothing. So look, would the Niners have now knowing that Brock is, is out for six months? Even if they won the game, they're losing the Super Bowl. You're not winning the Super Bowl with Josh Johnson against the Chiefs. I hate to say Unless that. Jimmy, I, well, maybe Jimmy, Jimmy comes back. <laughs> if Jimmy came back, maybe. But he hasn't played for two and a half months. So you know, again, like all in all, like, yeah, in the end, it, it wouldn't have mattered. But that being said, the officiating was awful in both games and, and the NFL should be ashamed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm not super familiar with the rules, but if an offensive player moves before the ball is snapped, that's called a false start, correct? Lane Johnson all Lane, game. Unless you're Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson all game. Was leaving early all game. And how many penalties did they call on him? None. They weren't winning this game. We know that. We've said it. I'm not claiming that they that they would have won the game. But it's it's just egregiously pathetic to watch something like that. And not only that, but there are unbiased NFL shills. To be perfectly honest, talking on the timeline yesterday about how poor the officiating was in that game. Mm-hmm. Mike Greenberg tweeted out about it. Um, Richard Sherman tweeted out about it. That's not quite unbiased. I, I think I saw two or three other people tweet out about it. That's a problem. That's a problem for the league, and they don't care. And they don't care because to me, it seems like they're okay with it because if they don't address it, that's what that says. That says that they're okay with it. It says that at the highest level, we can't do any better than this dog shit that we see Sunday in and Sunday out. And, and I, I refuse to believe that that's the case. I, and, and that's the other thing. If this is such an issue, there are really, really simple and easy fixes like, an eye in the sky, like in soccer, right? You've got a head official up somewhere that says, wait a second, 
that was a penalty or, hey, you threw this flag, but that wasn't right. There's a way to fix it. The NFL refuses to do it, which tells me, again, that they want that type of thing happening on the field. Because if they didn't, they'd do something about it. And they don't, and they won't, and that's the reality of the situation. Like I said, I'm not I'm not willing to to go out and say like the 40 the the NFL wants to orchestrate endings to seasons, but how else do you explain their unwillingness to to address this situation with anything, any logical fix for it? Because they don't. And it's it's just it's it's irritating. So and 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 when we talk about undisciplined, right? At that point, I think when they went down 21-7, right before the half, I think everyone on that team knew that, that it was over. Yeah. Right. They're yeah, like, you saw the frustration is, for the first yeah, time all year. Really. This is mm-hmm. over. Like there's nothing we can do. We don't have a quarterback. Somebody, some reporter asked George Kittle in the postgame, how does it feel to lose this game with your quarterback, you know, going down like that? And and <laughs> I loved Kittle's response. He said, How does it feel to lose a game when you don't have a quarterback? Feels pretty shitty. And that was his response. And I'm like, perfect, perfect response, right? This entire team knew by halftime that this game was over. And so we could talk about undisciplined play on defense when in reality that defense, like I said, was on the field for 40 minutes. I guarantee at some point they said, screw this. I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. You know, and you saw it, you saw it with, with Trent Williams, although for everyone that, you know, is up in arms about Trent Williams, that entire scuffle started because the guy that he threw to the ground w- grabbed a hold of Debo's face mask and wouldn't let go. And Trent Williams said, I'll make you let go. And he threw him out the club. And I loved it because that's Trent Williams sticking, sticking up for his dudes. Right. Yeah. Does it matter that he got ejected? No, I don't care. I, I, what I care about is, is, is him defending his teammates. I'm, I'm more impressed with that than I yeah, am that- losing his composure. I don't, I honestly, I don't care. It just all bottled up, I think, with them and kind of exploded with the refs and the quarterback sure. thing. And you saw them do things that were just weren't usually Niners usually very resilient. Mm-hmm. They just kind of lost their shit because yeah. I just think everything that was there. But, you know, I do want to give Ted Nguyen, who uh, writes for The Athletic, he posted yeah. something on Twitter that I saw today. The game within the game, and I do want to give the Eagles because the Eagles have terrific uh, offensive and defensive lines. And mm-hmm. What was happening in the game is the Eagles were were getting in three wide receiver sets, and they started running to San Francisco's weak side, where the Niners only had three three defenders over there, and they were pulling Kelsey over, and they started to really really get big gains on the ground. Um, Sanders scored his uh, the touchdown that made it fourteen seven off that. Now the third quarter, the Niners adjusted, and they moved Hufunga over there, and they were able to get a stop. What Philly did with that was. They said, okay, you're going to move a Hufunga over there. Now we're going to fake it to the running back or just have the running back block. And we're going to have Hertz take the ball. Running back blocks Hufunga. They get the same blockers out there. And Hertz was able to get a big gain. So so the Eagles did some good things on the line, too. The Eagles, did you guys see some of those Javon Kinlaw plays? When oh, I was going back God, and watching some awful. film plays, he got pushed. He, he, looked like he was on skates, skates a lot. So the refs, it was bullshit. Obviously, the quarterback, it could not have been a competitive game with the quarterback. But – I do want to give the Eagles, the Eagles are very good on the lines and they did some creative, they have a good coaching staff. You know, this isn't, you know, these are the two best teams in the NFC. It sucks that the yeah. Niners couldn't compete because they didn't have the quarterback. And I said, I said the day before when I was, I said, listen, the Eagles are going to get theirs. 
And mm-hmm. they, they did ultimately. I mean, it was kind of, they got help getting it, but I thought the Eagles were going to score in the twenties, but I thought the Niners would too. I thought they were going to be right there and it was going to be a three point type game. And I really believe it would have been even with how well they were playing on the lines with Purdy in there. I, I do. I'll take that down to my grave. I think that they would have, the Niners would have, if not won the game, it would have been a very close game. That's, that's hard to take, but. By the way, would anyone have predicted prior to this season that everything that went down with Javon Kinlaw and Grant Cohn, and it ended up being that, you know, despite his rhetoric and the way that he goes about it, Grant Cohn was 100% correct about Kinlaw. Man, that's brutal. That's a brutal, that's a brutal, that that is a brutal trade. That I mean, I mean there's so many of them, right? It not not even considering Patrick Mahomes in in 2017 draft right. There's going to be a lot of things that people can point to and be like, that 49ers team was really impressive under you know under Shanahan and 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 Lynch, especially those first five or six years. Can you imagine if this and this and this hadn't happened? There's a lot of sliding doors to look at, which is unfortunate. And there's sliding doors in this game because. That's all that this game, you, the frustrating part, you cannot take away anything from this game. We learned nothing. No, we learned nothing. nothing from this game. Well, we learned the Eagles are really learn anything. I mean, we knew that we knew. Did we? we, we did, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not good. They are. They're really, really good. But can we look at this game and, and point to this is why they're good. I, I'm not sure because they, again, they, they played a team that didn't have a quarterback. So yeah. It'll be interesting to see when they do, right? Because now they get to face Patrick Mahomes in two weeks. Um, the best quarterback and, and, in this generation, yeah. Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think that's going to be a heavyweight fight. I'm not going to watch a second of that game, but um, it's going to be <laughs> – I'll be watch. in Disneyland. Like, I'll legitimately, I'll be oh, in yeah. Disneyland. We were already going to be in Disneyland. My daughter's birthday is the 13th. Um, Happy and, birthday to your daughter, uh, man. Thank you. Yeah. She's turning 10, so we'll be, we'll be nice. down in Disneyland. Um, last year, the Super Bowl was on her birthday. We went to Six Flags in Vallejo. So, um, but yeah, I, again, I don't know that we learned anything about the Eagles. We know that the Eagles can absolutely destroy teams that don't belong. And once the 49ers quarterback went down, they did not belong anymore. And so they beat a Giants team that was, I don't know, punching above their weight punching above their weight and they beat a 49ers team that didn't have a starting quarterback. So again, their path to the play, to the Super Bowl might be one of the easiest of all time. Now the question is what happens when they actually get tested by a team that does have a good quarterback in Patrick Mahomes and, and an offensive line that can pass block. Yeah. I don't, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I'll watch just because, you know, whatever, like it's nice to watch the Super Bowl and not stress out because if the Niners in the Super Bowl, I'd be a wreck for three and a half hours. But you know, I think that with the Eagles, you do give them respect because, like, yeah, they're a great team. But again, like, easiest path ever to a Super Bowl ever. Like, I don't know if there's any, you. You get the sixth seed at home. You get the easiest schedule in the league. Number one. Then you you ride that to a, a bye with only one team getting a bye now. Then you get the sixth seed at home, who you've already beaten twice in the year, and then you get, and then you get a, a team on its practice squad fourth string quarterback after six plays in the second drive. So for after seven and a half minutes and man, it's just like, well, yeah, you should win that game. And now they're hooting and hollering and all these Eagles fans and all the media and all this stuff acting like it was some big accomplishment. I promise you, I promise you Eagles fans, 
it was not as big of an accomplishment that you think it is. I promise you that. And you are going up against this generation's best quarterback in the, in the Super Bowl. And we will do a show to preview the Super Bowl a little bit. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about quarterbacks and draft and all that other fun stuff. Right now, I tweeted out before the game, is Kyle going to be Andy Reid of the Eagles or is he going to be Andy Reid of the Chiefs? And right now, he's Andy Reid of the Eagles through no fault of his own in this game. It's not his fault, but that's three times he's been in a championship game and, and we just he's just come up empty. And I really hope they can get a difference maker at the quarterback position that can stay healthy, that can take them over the top. And I really think that guy's Tom Brady, guys. I really do. I hate to bring it up, but I think that guy's Tom Brady. Bring the GOAT yeah, home. We'll talk about that next show for sure. Um, that was one of my things to talk about now, the quarterback. We'll probably open the next show with it. D'Amico Ryan's the quarterback position. We've got a lot to talk about for the next show because it's the 49ers as the world turns. It's a soap opera, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, so it's going to probably be a more eventful offseason than we had anticipated, but we'll be here for you the whole time. So, for Brian and Zane, I'm out. Peace. Later. Nine is on three. Watch on three. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.